After a hiatus at the start of the coronavirus pandemic, Major League Sports are back and playing under modified conditions. And fans couldn't be happier until they stopped playing again. But the reason leagues went silent wasn't a pandemic. It wasn't a labor dispute. It was a movement sweeping the world. I'm Adam Toy. And I'm Dave McIver. And this is why. The past four months have shed a light on the ongoing racial injustices facing our African-American community. Citizens around the country have used their voices and platforms to speak out against these wrongdoings. Over the last few days in our home state of Wisconsin, we've seen the horrendous video of Jacob Blake being shot in the back seven times by a police officer in Kenosha and the additional shooting of protesters. Despite the overwhelming plea for change, there has been no action. So our focus today cannot be on basketball. That's the Milwaukee Bucks on August 26th. They didn't take the court to play a playoff game. They were protesting the shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Video of the incident shows Blake apparently being shot in the back seven times during an altercation with police. At the time, he was the latest black man caught on camera suffering devastating consequences of a police interaction. The decision by the players of the Milwaukee Bucks to not play seemed to be the tipping point for action by other leagues to protest racial violence and injustice, including their support for Black Lives Matter. But we've seen action like this before. In a 2016 preseason game, the then San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick staged a peaceful protest on the field, taking a knee. And before that, in 2004, Toronto Blue Jays' first baseman, Carlos Delgado, protested the Iraq War by taking a seat during the seventh inning playing of God Bless America. And before that, the 1980 Moscow Summer Olympics, boycotted by countries like Canada and the United States. And before that, the 1968 Summer Olympics, Tommy Smith and John Carlos raising a gloved fist in silent protest against racial discrimination. And before that, well, you get the idea. Let's go to someone who's often written about the intersection of sports and issues in broader society. He's covered the Olympics, playoffs for all the major leagues, and was named Sports Writer of the Year in 2012. Bruce Arthur is a columnist for the Toronto Star and joins us now. Bruce, thanks so much for your time. Adam, Dave, my pleasure. So, Bruce, I want to step back a a bit here to last month uh, when, uh, you know, leagues, pro sports leagues across North America uh, and around the world really started to Black Lives Matter movement and other uh, to to, to push for other social change. What was your you're you're a big basketball guy. You're currently following the raps in their run. Um, What what was your reaction when the Bucks boycotted their game? That was something something really significant, I thought, um, because the thing, the thing is, leagues will only go so far. Leagues will only go so far as they are pushed. So you can see that there's a difference between the NBA puts Black Lives Matter on the court in big letters and the NFL puts Black Lives Matter in tiny letters at the end of the end zone, literally out of bounds um, in a chief's end zone, by the way. It says end racism, right? They don't even say Black Lives Matter. Um, so you can see that the leagues are only going to do so much. But in terms of what the Bucks did, that was not... Uh, planned, like deeply planned protest. That was not a team that had a strategy. That was a team that felt so strongly about what was going on on the streets of America that they, the, the shooting of Jacob Blake specifically in Kenosha, Wisconsin, that they said, we are willing not only to boycott the game, they were going to forfeit the game. They were going to forfeit a playoff game. 
in a series where, yeah, they were the favored team, but they had lost game one against Orlando. That was real. That was the withholding of labor to show how much it mattered to them. And that, to me, was really significant. And when the rest of the league joined them, you kind of forgot that, of what they were willing to give up at the start, right? Which was give up a basketball game, which was the, is the point of their careers. And the, this is a team that has title hopes that they've since lost. But like it was really significant. And what we've seen since then is that you're not going to get something that significant, I don't think, every day. But you saw a chain reaction where the NBA stopped playing and baseball eventually had teams stop playing and the WNBA and soccer. And like you saw a chain reaction that showed how much this mattered, right? And made this issue harder to ignore. And that to me was really significant. Right. And then uh, you mentioned eventually the the um, of course, WNBA, which have been leading this 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 change for 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 social justice uh, among the the pro leagues. But uh, like you said, uh, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, uh, eventually the NHL, uh, you know, had had these actions Um, from your perspective. You're you've been following, uh, you know, pro pro sports for probably most of your life. Is, Is this did this seem like. Just kind of a, a, a following of what everybody else was doing, just kind of keeping up with the Joneses, or was this? Did this come from a place of of of, of genuinely believing in what their players were saying? I think I think it's it's one than the other, if that makes sense, right? And and in the reverse order, I think there was genuine feeling in the NBA for sure, and there's obviously genuine feeling in the NFL for sure. If you go watch the video that the Miami Dolphins made, it's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Is it authentic? That's the mystery. Or is it just another symbolic victory? Now there's two anthems. Do we kneel? Do we stand? If we could just right our wrongs, we wouldn't need two songs. We don't need another publicity parade. So we'll just stay inside until it's time to play the game. Because it doesn't, it, it basically takes what the NFL is going to give it, what I talked about from a corporate league standpoint, and oh, we're, we're going to put end racism here. We're going to put the names of, of victims on the back of helmets where no one can see them. And it said, we're not here for that. What we want is, basically what they said is, we want our owners to use their power and political connections to make change in society. And that's the root, right? Like, that's actually taking people you have a connection with and getting them, ideally, to make change. So I think there was real feeling there. And then I think once, once, the, NFL, or once, the, once the NBA did it, there was a following that happened. The fact that the NHL did it, let's think about that for a second. Mm-hmm. Hockey's a lot of things. Hockey is not a source of racial equality, healing, or pride when it comes to people of color, right? It's a really, it's a white sport, largely played by white people, largely for, not exclusively, of course, but largely for white people, run by white people. And it is, it's a sport that is tone deaf when it comes to race over and over. And if and if I might interject, I also feel like it's it's the the epitome of privilege, just because it's so expensive to get into that sport as 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 a kid or uh, you know as a as a weekend warrior. Exactly, like it started as a demographically white sport. It's also now a culturally and class based white sport, right? Because of the inequalities in our country, this the way they're structurally built in. And so when you, when the NHL stopped playing, you could say, okay, they're keeping up with with the other leagues. They're doing it because they feel like they have to. Except, why did they do it, right? 
And that's, this goes back to the players making the decision in the NBA for this to happen and the limits of corporate sport versus labor actually taking the lead is that white hockey players called Ryan Reeves, right? They called members of the Hockey Diversity Alliance and they said, what should we do? And they listened. I think if you look around this room, um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of white athletes in here, and I think that's the statement that's being made right now. Um, you know, it, it's great that the NBA did this, and the MLB and the WNBA. You know, they have a lot of black players in those leagues, but for you know all these athletes in here to take a stand and say, you know what, we we see the problem too, and, and we stand behind you. You know, I go to war with these guys, and I hate their guts on the ice, but I couldn't be more proud of these guys. It's, uh, you know, the statement that they've made today is is something that's going to last. You know, these two days isn't going to isn't going to fix anything, but um, the conversation and the and the statement that's been made is very powerful, especially coming from uh, from this league. And that, to me, was extraordinarily significant because. If anything, what hockey does is it forces players of color and really anyone who's different. It's not just players of color. It's, it's different sexual orientations. It's women. It's everything to conform to exactly their aesthetic, right? Their culture. And then we venerate that hockey culture. And anything that steps outside it is Don Cherry saying, I don't think that guy should wear that tie, right? That was yeah. hockey in this country for a long time. And what happened with these protests is that white players listened to people of color and shut the sport down for two days. That's nothing like that has ever happened in hockey, ever. And so, yeah, we'll see what happens in terms of the long term, right? We'll see if, if, if hockey actually gets hockey owners to do something, right? Uh, the fact that the NBA has gotten owners to, tr- to at least try to make their arenas polling places in November is a significant positive democratic step right and so where does this go i don't know but obviously that the window on what is acceptable has changed because none of this would have been imaginable last year or the year before even as black lives matters hat was happening even as colin kaepernick was kneeling right mm-hmm. the the debate on this has moved and that's to me the biggest thing is that the fact that we're having the conversation in hockey means that the idea that racism is something that's entrenched in society and that we should do something about it has gotten to places where it never really lived before. So you're saying that hockey is that litmus test? Well, I mean, it's, it's one of the lines, right? Baseball to a degree is one of the lines. Mm-hmm. One thing i like, I talked to Devante Smith Pelly, uh, who's a black player who played for the Washington Capitals when they won the, the cup. I asked him a few years ago, what it's like, what, what is it like being a, a black guy in hockey? And he said, it's really lonely. Like, above all, it's really lonely because there's no one on your team. There's usually one black guy per team, sometimes more than one, but mostly one, right? There's not a lot of them. And he said, there's no one on my team. As much as they can be good guys and we, we go to war together, there's none of them who understand what it's like to be me, right? To live my life the way I've lived it, to experience life the way I experience it. There's just culturally, racism-wise, no one understands, right? And hockey wasn't a sport that asked and listened. And so... That to me is, is a lit, it's not the litmus test because there's a whole lot of institutions in the world which are built for white people and not really anybody else necessarily. But hockey was, has traditionally been one of them. For, for, like people have done good work in trying to expand and diversify what hockey can be. But all in all, like in the NBA, think about this, the NBA is the most progressive major sport. Five black head coaches, one black team president. He works in Toronto. Right. And 
there are white people still run that sport. Hockey is miles behind that. And so when you, when you have this conversation in hockey, I think it can't help but be good. So, Bruce, I guess it's, it's kind of a way to be seen, but uh, are, the, are the pledges that, that the leagues are making, are, are they legitimate in your eyes? You know, we saw the NFL couldn't care less about Colin Kaepernick and his stance for five, six seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, should, we take, should we take them seriously now, or is it to, a way to be seen? There was a great point made by my friend Michael Lee, writes for The Athletic, about the fact that fans in Kansas City booed the statement of unity of, of players and coaches locking arms before the game. Thank you. Which is that the NFL never came from a place of good faith when it came to this issue, right? And then asking, uh, like, they literally blackballed the quarterback who started the kneeling movement in, in kind of in, in North American sports in the world. Um, and so it's hard to put that genie back in the box. So, the, yeah, the question you got to ask is, what actually comes out of this? What are the measurables to come out of this beyond the conversation, beyond the fact that we're talking about it? So in the NBA, I think they put forward, I think, $300 million towards various initiatives over the next 10 years. That's something, right? It's something. The fact that a lot of arenas can be used as polling places in November, that is something. The fact that you, you kind of have to, you have to actually remember that they made these promises and then check again in a year, right? Check again in two years, check again in three years. And to their credit, the Hockey Diversity Alliance is really pushing. And they're actually trying to get concrete moves from the NHL and that's that's a start you got to kind of hold them to account if you say and it's not just for sports right like how many companies put out statements saying we believe black lives matter and have all white leadership right uh and don't do anything to political conversation in terms of policy in terms of police departments in terms of all those things uh you have to hold them to account and say what does that really mean and it's a really good question and we're we're gonna have to remember to ask for the answer now, we've seen with all, you know, athletes speaking out, the leagues uh, boycotting, postponing um, the backlash, which is, you know, something I think we see more because of social media. But this is something that's been happening for decades. Tommy Smith, John Carlos with the Black Power Salute in the 1968 Olympics, Muhammad Ali in the 70s against the Vietnam War. Is it now because social media gives everyone a voice that it feels like there is so much backlash or has it always been this way? I think there's two answers to that question, and they're slightly different in Canada and the United States. One is that there is obviously an infrastructure built to exacerbate grievance from a white perspective in certain media and online in certain circles, right? There are people who this is their, this is their hobby or business, whichever it is. Maybe it's their passion, whatever. It's a lifestyle. Um, so there's that. But also, you're talking about the United States. I don't know, 41% of Americans support Donald Trump who called NFL kneeling players sons of bitches three years ago at a speech in Alabama. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, out, he's fired. He's fired! Right, like, and said they should be fired. And 41% of Americans agree with him. And so the, the thing with that grievance industry the thing with a backlash towards sports 
being kind of being used or moving towards a more progressive politics is that there's an audience for it. It's not the majority audience. It's a, it's a, it's a shrinking minority audience that as time goes on demographically will shrink further. But right now there's still a lot of Americans who sign up for this, right? There's still Canadians who sign up for this. Look at the hostility that you got when Don Cherry was fired for basically running down immigrants on the air. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, We've had this conversation in Canada. We just don't totally realize it yet. We haven't gotten to that stage yet. But this is when you talk about systemic racism and institutional racism, it's stuff that you don't necessarily notice is there. And it but it exists. It exists and it's there and people perpetrate it, whether knowingly or not. There's different kinds of racism than just marching with a clan hood. And hockey has been guilty of it. Baseball has been guilty of it. Canadian institutions and American institutions have been and are guilty of it. And now the fact that we're just facing that, we're facing that. Hey, you know what? Look at what the pandemic has done in terms of inequality and how it's attacked people who were more vulnerable. And who were they, by and large, for instance, in Toronto and Ontario? They were people of color, refugees, new Canadians, right? Because those are the most vulnerable people in our society. And there are, there are, structural reasons for that and that's the conversation you're having right like the way we've disadvantaged first nations in this country is something it's a conversation we have tried to avoid having in canada forever and the fact that all this stuff is just starting to be talked about in a more meaningful way to face reality in a more meaningful way sports is a part of it and there's a bigger conversation beyond that and it's i don't know it's all of this to me it's not the end it's not the beginning it's a continuum and in terms of this particular era, it's a start of a new chapter of it. And I, I couldn't agree more with you, Bruce, that, that this is, uh, we are in the middle of, of, of a sea change, I feel, in, 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 in Western society. Uh, but I, I wonder if, I mean, there's always motivations for, for people with their different decisions. And we know that pro sports is a, is, is a multi-billion dollar industry. And mm-hmm. so I wonder if how dollars play into these leagues' decisions. I, I, I'm not sure if you heard of the term uh, woke capitalism, but that's, you yeah. know, you see you, Nike has really been sort of at the forefront of, of putting out a social message as part of their advertising. So you, you're, you're tying a, a social change message with buy our shoes. How much are, are, are do you see these leagues as making their decisions to – Put Black Lives Matter on the court, or paint it in the in the end zone, or put little stickers on helmets. How much is 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 this being driven by the bottom line? Oh, I mean, you'd be you'd be naive not to think that it is at least in part, right? So you have to adopt a certain earned cynicism cynicism when it comes to this. But that's where, if you go back to the Milwaukee Bucks for a second, it was the players who dictated that situation. And it was the players who refused to play in the NBA. And it was the players who refused to play for two days, decided not to play for two days in the NHL and the WNBA and all these sports. That was, it was pushed on the leagues. They were forced into that action. So when you talk about dollars, it's also keeping your, your people happy, right? It's, it's, it's exceeding to your players and saying, yes, we recognize that we, this is not a fight we are going to even pick, much less win. And so, yeah, there's a cynicism to this. Everything in capitalism is built towards selling product. I mean, and I guess the good news of that is that more people believe 
that we should do better with people of color and people who aren't uh, people who are people who are traditionally oppressed and ignored and kind of pushed down on our side. More people believe that they should be given more than not. Right? Because here's the thing: someone said this once. Uh, they were talking about LGBT people. They said LGBT people, or as I call them, people. Because that's what's at the heart of all this. Is it isn't really a political. It shouldn't be a political argument. It is because of the positions of certain parties and people and their voters and all of that. But this should not be a political argument. This should be about the very simple idea of treating everybody equally, giving everyone an equal chance, right? Giving people equal rights and responsibilities under the law. And we don't have that and we've never really had that. That's what this conversation really is. It's something that's really simple and human. And the problem is because of the way societies have evolved and because of the way that money moves, that it has become something more than that. But at its heart, that's all it is. When those people in Kansas City booed players, white and black, coaches and players, standing together, linked arms, asking for unity, they booed that and they picked a side that is explicitly anti-people, or at least anti-some people. And that to me, like money, eventually I, I would hope that corporate money even more so, follows the people who are just, who are in the majority, who are pretty good people, because I think the majority of people are. Bruce, you uh, you talk about just just like that last night, uh, you know, a- um, fans booing athletes because they took a stand for something they believed in, and uh, you know, obviously Laura Ingram, Fox host, telling uh, LeBron James to shut up and dribble. Uh, mm-hmm. I was doing the morning sports run here at the radio station uh, the morning after the Bucks um, boycotted, and of course, I got the typical "Hey, bandwagon sports boy, uh, stick to sports." Is that moniker "stick to sports"? finally dying out because athletes are are taking a stand and they're not listening to that anymore or is it growing stronger stick to sports is basically a shield against having to look at the world as it is it's i don't want to hear news that makes me personally uncomfortable for whatever reason it's the same as people who say fake news about actual factual stuff that they don't like it's the exact same thing stick to sports was always a naive proposition like, how do you think stadiums get funded, right? Like, how, you think that sports really lives in a world which is separate from the culture that creates, venerates, and enjoys it, right? Do you think that it is separate from the world that created it? And of course it isn't. It's nice to think that. I'm in a fantasy football league, and I have moral confliction over that, but I've been in a fantasy football league for 15 years, and I enjoy it because all I do is think about the sport. I don't have to worry about all the attendant moral complications. That stuff still exists. If you want to stick to sports, go ahead. There's ways to do it. But in terms of watching sports, the people who give you your entertainment, the athletes who give you your entertainment are people too. And they feel, uh, we've learned in the last month, they feel really strongly about this. And so you're just going to have to face that. And the best case scenario is the people who yell stick to sports, listen for a second as to why. And you should have done it with Colin, with Colin Kaepernick kneeled as to why he was kneeling. He wasn't kneeling because he wanted to disrespect the military or disrespect the flag. It was a peaceful, peaceful protest for very specific reasons. And those reasons are coming back to race today. So if you didn't listen then, just try to listen now. 
just try to listen about what it's like to be someone other than you. I don't know. That's all I really got for those people. Because the thing is, saying six sports has never worked with me, and I don't think it's going to work with sports. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess a, a flip side of that conversation is, or, or a, 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 an adjacent part of that conversation is athletes as role models. Um, I've personally have never, there are few athletes who I look up to as role models. Um, and, but I'm wondering if, if what your thoughts on whether athletes should be seen as role models um, and and I guess are, are athletes um, or are they moving into a, a place of, of broader being more role models as constituent parts of this this conversation of societal change and, 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 and uh, drive for, uh, you know, push for justice? Role models and heroes are tricky things, right? You're more likely to be let down than not if you if you really demand them to be to be better than what they are. But like but in terms of. Think about all those hockey statements that came out. Not every player, but a lot of players when uh, when this first kind of began. So I'm thinking of, for example, Patrice Bergeron. Patrice Bergeron is a dignified, classy individual, wonderful hockey player, one of my favorite players to watch. And his statement was really strong. He said, "What I, you know, hockey players are taught to be quiet. And what I realize is that is that quiet perpetuates the state of things, and that includes racism. And I want to be better. I want to be an ally." I want to push for change. I want to be a part of the solution. And was Patrice Bergeron a role model before? Yeah, if you want to be a hockey player, be like Patrice Bergeron. Like, no, he's never put a foot wrong. He's been a really incredible human being and athlete. So is he more of a role model now? I think he is. I think he is because what, what did a lot of those statements say? A lot of those hockey players said, I've never had to deal with this. I don't really know what it's like to be the subject of racism. But I would like to learn more and be a positive force for it. That, to me, is a role model right there. And it's not that those players are perfect people, but it's that that idea of people that people look up to. And in, in this country, God, do we venerate hockey players above all, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that they're saying that, that that message is, I didn't listen before. I'm going to listen now and learn more. Uh, it's not that a role model has to be a perfect person. But if that's modeling behavior, I think, yeah. And I think athletes can be role models in all kinds of ways. They'll let you down just like every role model will eventually. But right now, there are more athletes lending their voices, platform, and power and influence to a positive and more complex and more nuanced and harder conversation. I think that's to the good. Bruce, I think that's all the questions we've got for you right now. Thank you. Uh, I, I can't think of a better place to end, but uh, thank you so much uh, for your time today. Um, Dave, it was really my pleasure. This is Why is produced by me, Dave McIver, and Adam Toy. It's a national radio show and a podcast. You can reach us by email, why at globalnews.ca and on Twitter at thisiswhy. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, make sure you subscribe to This Is Why so you never miss an episode. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and wash your hands. We'll see you soon.